Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning and to speak with you and to share. And I want to, first of all, I want to thank Steve. I think Steve is the greatest pastor in the world. I really do. I think he's humble. I think he is generous. And we are very thankful and very appreciative of him being here. Were we not? Did I say that right, Steve? <laughs> I don't the praise team, thank you, Heather. That was really good. I think uh, it amazes me the amount of talent we have in this church. I think, you know, I think people can pay all, play all sorts of instruments. I, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I could do that stick thing that one girl was, you know, Janet was doing, but I couldn't do it on time, so I'm thankful for her. Uh, when Steve asked me to preach this morning, you know, I know that he, you know, he was ready for me to preach. I think it was because Bill wasn't, you know, was going to be gone maybe, and, you know, Pat is taking a sabbatical from preaching. What it, what it, is that what you're doing, Pat? You know, it's close. And so, you know, it was left to me. So, welcome to the bottom of the barrel. And... What we're going to do today is we're going to share from God's Word and hopefully glean a little bit from that. Uh, a lot of you have been praying for my health, and I appreciate that. Uh, my first stroke that I had, and I've had three now, is really affected my speech, but holes in my speech. And that, as a preacher, is very frustrating. You know, I'd get up in front of these young people here, and i try to say something. The only thing that came out was, let's close in prayer. But, you know... Eventually, that started healing. I still get holes in my speech. It's not as noticeable now, but I still can. And now, this new uh, strokes that I had didn't affect my, my speech, but it affected my eyesight. You know, when it first started, the whole world was spinning around just really fast. And I go, this is weird. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, I heard a vertigo, so I thought that's probably what it was. And then I heard, uh, you know, then... When I was headed home, uh, I drove home, by the way. That should make you feel good. Um, I started seeing double, you know. But it wasn't the normal double. It was like cars stacked on top of each other. So I was extra cautious and got home. No, it was silly to drive home, but I did that. And so I've had, a, had, had strokes that affected my speech. I've had strokes that affected my eyes. And now... I can't see what I'm saying, so let's hope it gets through this, okay. Uh, today we're going to look at one of my favorite Bible stories, and well, at least one of my top 100, okay? And it's about Jemon and the demon-possessed man, and the way Jesus came in and Jesus did a healing on him. And I don't so much want to focus on the man, you know, I think that's really cool, but, you know, we don't usually deal with demon possession, you know, that's kind of out of our realm, unless you work with middle schoolers. <laughs> then, you know, you know, I did have one time when I had a demon possession experience, you know, so to speak. I was at a, a concert in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where I was living, and uh, I had stepped outside of the concert, you know, for 
I don't know why, you know, I wasn't interested. But I stepped outside of the concert, and this gal came up to me. I didn't know who she was, and she says, hey, what's going on in there? And she pointed to the building, and I says, oh, that's a Christian concert, and they're playing Christian music, and kumbaya. But she got really mad, and she started yelling at me. And she continued to yell at me for at least five minutes. And I would try to interject a little bit, and she wasn't interested. She just wanted to yell at me, I guess. And so I said, well, that's enough of this. And I went inside where the concert was going on. The problem was she continued to yell at me. (laughs) And she was yelling as I walked up to where my wife was. And my wife says, anything you want to tell me? And I go, I have no idea. This lady weirded out on me. But later that band, I can't even remember the name of it, you know, they kind of, they did what you, they prayed over her and she did the whole gravelly voice thing and I was weirded out and I just wanted to go home. But that's my only experience. You know, you, we don't see it every day. You know, a demon-possessed man. But this guy was really bad off. And we're going we're gonna to study that. And we're going to see that, you know, our need is for Jesus. No matter what our problem is. Because Jesus does take care of our brokenly, seemingly hopeless life. And he restores it. And not just, re- but not just restore, but totally heal him. Now, I've entitled this message, message The First Missionary. And I've preached this some from this passage many times, but... Today, you know, this week it just kind of jumped out at me how fresh and how new. So if you indulge me, I'm going to read the story. I'll make a few uh, witty comments. No, I don't know. But, you know, we'll, and then I'll go back and, and I'll make the points that I need to make. But I'm going to use what you call a cheat sheet. Okay, I got, I got to be honest. Because my Bible... I can't read the words on it. You know, I think it's getting old, so it's blurry. (laughs) But I can read this. And, you know, my wife was looking at my notes today, and she said, I can read that from the back of the room. (laughs) That should be about right. I got it. And so why don't we pray, and then I'll jump right in, and I'll, I'll read it, and we'll go from there. So let's pray. Mighty God and Father, thank you for this opportunity, and I just pray that you will be with me. God, guide my words. God, help those who receive it to just to be blessed, to take it to heart, and to know you really are a living and true God. And I'm very thankful for you. I'm very thankful for what you've done in my life. And I can't wait to see what the next chapter is going to bring. So we pray all this in your very precious name. Amen. So Jesus is getting off a boat in this story. And just for your information, Mark 5 is where we're at. And I just think this is a few chapters that's chock full of cool things. You know, here's Jesus, you know, right before he steps out of this boat. He's on this boat and people are scared. You know, these avid fishermen who are used to being on a boat are frightened because of the storm. And Jesus gets kind of, he gets woken up and he says, don't you care that we're going to drown? And, you know, we might have rolled over and said, not really. But, you know, Jesus got up and said, you of little faith. 
And he stands up and he tells the waves, he tells the wind, peace be still. It's calm. That is a mighty God. And then he steps off the boat and he finds this demon-possessed man. And let's, let's do some reading. Verse number one. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs, in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, this guy is, you know, he is off the charts weird. You know, and he would come in, and a couple, you know, in some of the other Gospels, they say he was naked, and he was howling. You know, he was just weird. And I want to tell you something. As I read this story, you know, I think, and, you know, he's... he's howling, he's scary, he's breaking chains. And it reminds me, you know, I wonder who was able to subdue him in the first place. Because this guy is strong. Anyway, he's going there and he's breaking chains, he's howling at the moon, he's doing all this, he's walking amongst the tombs. And I'm thinking, if you guys, you men, were young men, your moms would be telling you, now you stay away from those tombs. You stay away from that man. That's, you know, and you give you all the reasons why. But you'd be up there. You'd want to get a chance. You'd want to get a glimpse of him. You'd be told, you'd be warned a hundred times, do not go up there. That wouldn't stop you. You want to get a glimpse of him. You want to see this guy. And so what, what happened then is Jesus comes along and says this. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran out, fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to them, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out into the area. Now, Jesus is about to take the Spirit of God the Spirit of God, and to transform it and to drive out these demons. And all they're begging is, please, please don't torture me. Calls him the Son of the Most High God, which, by the way, may have been a derogatory term towards him because it was like no one called him that. I'm not know if that's because he knew what really was going on, these spirits, but Jesus knew he was going. And so he said, come out of there. What's your name? Legion. There's many of them. And he said this, A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go in them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 1,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. That would be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, you got to think that. You would see that and you'd go, my goodness, what just happened here? Well, maybe not the, the herdsmen. They might have been a little upset going, well, what, you know, it's in the, they all drowned, my whole herd drowned. But that would be an awesome sight to see. And so they did that and then they said this, those tennis pigs ran off and reported in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. 
When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, don't you find that very interesting? Now they're afraid. Jesus did a work on this man, and now for the first time, he was able to sit by the fire as a normal person, dressed and carrying on a conversation. Now they're afraid. They're afraid of what Jesus can do. There's power in that. There's power in Jesus. And they didn't know what to do with this power. And they're kind of going, well, you better leave. Because they said, those who told the people to have, uh, Jesus, uh, I lost my place. He said, and then sitting there and dressed in his right and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened, the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I just can't even believe it. Here's Jesus taking this man, making him whole. Now they're afraid and asking Jesus to leave. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him go, but said, go, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell Indicapolis how many Jesus, what Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now, when I say the first missionary, here he is. What's a missionary? Those who are sent out. Those who are sent out to spread the news of Jesus. And here this man who was demon-possessed could be used by God in this manner. He was the first missionary. He was the first time that they said, go and tell. And this man did. And I'm thinking if he, of all people, could be used by God in such a way, then I say there's probably hope for you, don't you? I don't think any of us have been excluded. See, I reached a point in my life, you know, being a youth minister for 35 years, you go through a lot of stages. And one of the stages I'm not very proud of, but I really felt like I was washed up. And I was done. It's because of what you guys said. No, it wasn't because of that. It's because of a feeling, and I would share that with my wife. And, you know, my poor bride, she always has to prop me up and say, no, I'm sure you got another day. And no, she would say, you know, you can be used. And then I read this story and I said, if he can be used, then I can be used. And that's the way I want to look at it. And I want to look at, I want to look at three different areas as we, as we dive into this and just to see how Jesus was able to use him. And we begin to see that Jesus, first of all... Um, Oh, well. Can't find my paper. How's that for good? Okay, here it is. First of all, it revealed our need for Jesus. My life gets, can get out of control a lot of times, and quite frankly, I need Jesus. I need Jesus all the time. I look at it and I say, you know what? All the gifts I possess, all the talents I have, even the very breath that I just took, is a gift from God. And I'm more and more realizing that over and over that I need Jesus. Because without him, my life does get out of control. You know, I was about uh, 17, 18 years old. I was working downtown Denver. 
And I had to go a series of three different highways to get to work. And, you know, and I was in my dad's car that day. And my dad never let me use the car. That was one of his rules. Don't use my car. Don't even ask. But my car didn't start that day. And so, of course, I asked. And my stepmom, she took pity on me and she begged my dad. And he agreed uh, verily to go ahead and take his car. So I went to work, worked all, you know, and was on my way home, took one highway home, went to the other highway, and was going to get on my third highway to get home. And then it happened. I had a van just swerve over, cut me off, and I hit my brakes. I hit my brakes and pulled over to the side as quickly as I can. It's like one little motion. But when I let up on the brakes, the car suddenly went to the left, not just kind of swerved to the left. It took a hard left. It took me from my passenger and from my driver's seat where I was sitting, which is the best place to drive, and uh, it threw me over into the passenger side. No, I wasn't wearing a hel- uh, seat belt, and that's kind of stupid. But it threw me over there, and now is heading towards a, a, a bridge at 45 to 50 miles an hour. I had enough time to say, to think to myself, this is going to hurt. And it hit the bridge, and my head went through the windshield, basically, and didn't quite go all the way through. And somehow I was left it unscathed. You know, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even cry. Hey. Oh, until I called my dad. <laughs> but that's the way it was, you know. So I looked at that and I said, my life was out of control then, but my life can so easily become out of control now. And I don't like it. I don't like it when I try to do life apart from Jesus. I don't like it when I go in my own ways and try to do things my own way. And, and usually, I'd say the percentage is pretty high. I'd say like 100% doing it my own way that life is going to turn out poorly. Well, man in our story found it easier to live among the tombs than to live amongst the living now, in, the old, in, in Jesus' time, a tomb or the graveyard, if you want to be, was on a hillside, and they would just carve out little places for people to stuff their loved ones in and all that. That's a wonderful way to say that. But, you know, they would just put their place, and then they'd be able to, you know, be able to worship or to go see him and to worship God. But this is where this guy lived, and he lived amongst the dead. And Jesus never wanted us to live amongst the dead. Jesus came to give us life, didn't he? And not just life, but life everlasting, life abundantly. And I thought it was for that reason that he came and he set me free. I look at that and I say, what in the world, you know, what is this thing about my life source that is so important? And you can see everybody, you know, would, is looking for life in different directions. And sometimes we pick very bad ways to find life. Some of it, it would be, uh, you know, it's through power or through the jobs or through even alcohol or drugs or whatever. And those are poor life sources, but we try them. And Jesus says, you know, in this little passage in Matthew where he says, enter through the narrow gate. 
And I always thought that was about the pearly gates, like when you die, he wants to, us to enter in into the gate. It has nothing to do with that. But he says, for wide is the road and broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. I think that's what many of us are doing. It looks like it'll bring life. It looks like a life source. And so we enter into it, and that always leads to destruction. Jesus says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And many enter through it. I mean, few enter through it. And that's what I think, you know. And this is how narrow this gate is. It's in John fourteen six where he says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So how narrow is this gate? How narrow is this road? It's one person. It's Jesus Christ. Because I believe we're all searching for something, you know. You can go downtown even today, tonight, I would imagine, and there's a group of people, a hundred strong, I'd say, from different corners, and they're looking for something. Do you know what it is? Pokemon. That's what they're looking for. So they're down there, and they got their phones out, and they're searching around, and they're, they're, apparently they find Pokemon down here. I have heard that this isn't a bad place to find Pokemon. I don't know, but, you know, and some people get into it. I'm not going to mention any names, but Drew... Um, <laughs> We saw him downtown with his wife, and they were pushing a baby carriage, and it was Carrie's baby. But, you know, here, here, here's Alyssa, and she waves at me, and I'm waving. And she goes, Bob, do you know why Drew didn't wave at you? And I go, I ain't got a clue. He doesn't like me. No, I, I don't know why he's not. And she goes, he was playing Pokemon. <laughs> he is so into that game. And I go, oh, my goodness. Well, in the sense that people are running into a things and they're searching for this Pokemon. I have no problem with that, but I'm really searching for Jesus. I really need him. And that's what this man needed was Jesus. Special touch from Jesus. And that's what he got. And, you know, we, our need for Jesus will continue to grow for a long time. Uh, second, there is power in the name of Jesus. First of all, we all need Jesus. Second of all, there's power in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to see Jesus in a new light. I want you to know everywhere Jesus went, he drew a crowd. And he drew a crowd so much that, you know, in the chapters that follow here, sometimes they go in the street and they would press around him because they wanted to be near him, because they wanted to know Jesus. And you wonder, why? What's the big deal? How did it get out? Well, here's the deal. If you had a sickness, if you weren't feeling well, if you were about to die, and you heard, you've tried everything else, but you heard the Jesus, there may be a chance. There may be hope. You would go too. You would be there. And you would find out that there is life. And even the woman who was sick for 12 years, and she was the crowd was pressed around Jesus and she reached out and just barely touched his garment of his robe. That's how much Jesus was. And then he said, Jesus stopped and said, somebody touched me. And his apostles looked around and said, there's a lot of people touching you, Jesus. You know, what's the deal? And Jesus said, no one, somebody touched me in faith. 
and I felt the power go through me. Now that's power. That's power. And what would happen then is this woman was made whole and because of the, how Jesus is. Jesus had the power to heal. He has the power to restore broken lives, to make you whole again. Jesus can heal your broken marriages. He can do whatever he wants. He can make a demon-possessed man and turn him into a missionary. Amen? But what if he doesn't? What if you pray for your marriage? I've been praying for your marriage and it still falls apart. What if you're praying for a healing and this person still gets sicker and he ends up dying? What happens then? See, what I think happens a lot of times in our mind is we get to thinking, if Jesus can heal, if Jesus can make things better, but he doesn't, then he's a mean God, right? Or we got all these problems and Jesus can't even begin to to tackle those, can't begin to tackle that problem. That makes him a weak God. And I don't think Jesus is either one. Jesus is a strong, he's powerful, he can do whatever he wants, but we live in a broken world. Amen? And Jesus gives us free will. And people die. And I think if we're going to do a healing, let's thank God for the healing that Jesus did in my soul so that when I die, I know where I'm going. And that is much more important than a limb or anything else. He has healed me. And so, a lot of people get tripped up on this and get mad at God because he didn't do it, but... God is doing a work, and God will work through all situations for the good for those who love him and, 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 and according to his will. So let's, uh, as I look at Jesus, I see power. Power to tackle, tackle any problem. I believe there is power in the person of Jesus. I believe there's power in his word, and I believe with all my heart he loves me, and so don't worry He loves you too. Okay? Thirdly, Jesus can transform our lives. You know, one of the things I taught my middle schoolers, I hope, we'll let him decide here, but one of the things that I taught them was that I wanted my young people to leave people better than when they found them. Always leave people better than you found them. And that might be an encouraging word, it might be helping them some way. It might be just even sometimes even a, a strong rebuke would leave people better than they were. And Jesus always left people better than where he found them. And, you know, we take the man who was demon-possessed. It's easy to see how Jesus transformed life, but it's even in those who were sick, and he healed them. Those who needed a kind word, he gave them a kind word. It doesn't matter. Jesus was there for them, and Jesus can be there for you. That was what Christ was all about, to take this broken, rebellious heart and to transfer it into something beautiful. Romans says, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12. And then it says, transformation comes from relying on the truth, this truth of who we are, and the truth of Jesus. See, I think that we are bombarded every day with lies. 
about who we are. Wise, and I know I'm not talking to everybody here, but I know in this group there's enough because I've visited enough with people at the office and my own experience where this lie that says nobody loves me. Some people just buy into that and they believe it. And even to the point where they'll they'll say this, everybody would be better off if I wasn't around. And I say to them, I go, I'm not going to read the obituaries the day after you die and just have a celebration. That's silly. It's that big of a lie. The lie that you're not smart enough, the lie that you're not good enough, the lie that that you're beyond hope. Jesus can take it, and I believe that if you believe those lies and you believe them as truth, you'll respond as if it's truth. But the truth is, that's not what God says about you. He says you're adequate in Christ, that he loves you, that you were formed, he was there when he formed you. He cares about you, so if you could get into the truth, that will be transforming in your life. So I don't know what the demons are in your life today. I don't know if your marriage is being blown up and you just need some prayers. I don't know if you've had personal failings. I don't know if it's a financial thing. I don't know if you're all fine and you've got no problems in the world. But the truth is, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And so today, we'll pray. Then we'll go on. The day, but hopefully you'll go on the day with Jesus a little closer. Let's pray. My God and Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, just being here and being with us, and I just pray that you will watch over us, and God, help us to understand how much you really do love us and how much you want to make us whole. Thank you, and God bless you, and just in Jesus' name, amen. And today, I pray that uh, I thank those encouraging notes that I haven't even got. If you want to write an encouraging note to me on a check, that's fine. But (laughs) I can't believe I said that. (laughs) But but I I do appreciate it. And God bless you. Go about your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs>